Hello and welcome back to Picard Cast. I'm your host this evening, Rebecca, and I'm joined as I am every week by my co-host, Brooke. Hi, Brooke. Hi. How are you? Um, I'm pretty good. Started a new job this week. Yay! That's, um, That's very exciting. Also, Congratulations. Also, um, a couple people were geeks, so that was cool. Um, oh. So that was great. And today... Important. Yeah, today the girl that I trained with has a uh, calendar that tells you what day it is. And I was like, well, you need to take your march off of there. Guess what was on April? First contact day. <laughs> of course, because it is coming up. First contact day, right around the corner. Right? And so I was like, that's from Star Trek. And she's like, oh, you like Star Trek? I'm like, yeah. And so I was telling her that we do this. And she had already seen my phone case, so she knew I like Star Wars. So she was like, you know, I don't always find people who like both. I was like, it's okay. I've got good friends. They like both. Yes, it is. Yeah, you don't always... Uh... Don't always find people who like both, but it is exciting when you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and real, real quick, I know we need to, to introduce our guests, but also I got a text message, you know, those, uh, are you, will you please vote for this person or whatever? And it said, hi, this is Raffi. Will you please vote for so-and-so? And I was like, <laughs> that's really cool that that's the person that texted me and they didn't even know. <laughs> that is pretty cool, actually. <laughs> Um, yes, we do have uh, a, a guest uh, joining us uh, again um, is our friend Kay from New Zealand. Welcome back, Hello. Kay. Thank you very much for having me back. I clearly uh, did not do a, a bad job last time. So, <laughs> Oh, you've never done a bad job. Are you kidding me? No, we love <laughs> No, we absolutely thank love you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm being very Q-like and like encouraging more praise. Thank you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Oh my gosh! So yeah, I mean we had Q you on... K, they're both letters. Oh okay. <laughs> yeah, right. So I mean, K, we had you on last for episode two, correct? Yes. yes, correct. We had you on for episode two. In episode two is when we discussed. A fan theory. I know I'm sort of just diving right in here, but I'm so excited. I'm chomping at the bit to talk about this. Um, we discussed on episode two a fan theory that I found on Twitter that said that um, Agnes is the Borg queen. And we talked about it, and we all, like, as I recall, we all, like, yeah, it's a pretty good theory. It's interesting. Let's see how it works out. After this week's episode, how do you feel about that theory? I was like, ah! <laughs> I was like, oh, it's all working out like that. Uh, oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah. Uh, also, I love to do a little behind the scenes. I just put a picture of my uncle and my cousin in the chat. It's kind of blurry, but... It- he kind of looks like he kind of looks like Brent Spiner, and I keep talking about that. So I stuck a picture in the chat oh. for them to see oh, yes. that he kind of does. does. He does look like Brent Spiner. Everybody, just take my word for it. Brooks' uncle looks like Brent Spiner. It's weird. So it's <laughs> like their faces are a little bit different shape, but it's like, oh, you know, he could be a soon come, you know. <laughs> he could be. He could be like you could bring him along to the next convention and make sure he cosplays. As <laughs> yes, that'd be hilarious. Yeah. Can I please There's paint a... you yellow? <laughs> please paint you yellow. His grandkids would um... love it. <laughs> anyway. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Borg Queen Agnes. Yes. 
Yeah, I think after this week's I really don't think there can be any doubt that Agnes is the Borg Queen from episode one. Right? I mean, is, yeah. is there any doubt? I mean, but it, it, I mean, if you have doubt, please say so. Don't take my word as law. But, like, it, it, for me, I'm saying there's no more doubt in my mind Agnes is the Borg Queen from episode one. Yeah. She has to be. Same. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, so yeah, we'll, I would have, we'll definitely talk- have to agree with that. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll we'll talk about it because all that stuff happens like at the end of the episode where we see what happens. But um, yeah, this was uh, this was a pretty good episode. I, I have to say, like l- last week we talked uh, episode four, um, and I said that that wasn't episode four was not my of the season so far I felt like even though a lot happened I felt like almost like nothing happened to move the plot forward and I felt like here we got back to moving the plot forward even though there was like a lot of expositional uh, there was like lots of exposition dumps in this episode where we were getting lots of information just kind of filling in gaps of, of who Brent Spiner was playing mm-hmm. and I I feel uh, like, though, with uh, Jonathan Frakes' directing style, like, how he goes back and forth like that, it cuts up these sort of info dumps. And mm -hmm. so then it makes it feel like there's a ton of stuff going on. Which there was a lot of stuff, but it's not as much as... Mm -hmm. I mean, I did like the ones that Leah Thompson directed, but it wasn't sort of the same where there was just, like, the way it's done. Anyway. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, this is definitely, uh, we, I was saying before we started recording, this is definitely a very Jonathan Frakes episode. Like, the way it's directed, the back and forth within a scene between two things happening. And, and it, it sort of, it, uh, as you said, it breaks up the exposition dump by sort of um, showing, like, these conversations and then the character then, like, sort of recapping the conversation with another person so that it's it's back and forth and back and forth and it, it never feels like oh this is a lot of information it it just feels more organic and I, I always enjoy that um, so this is uh, Star Trek Picard season 2 episode 5 Fly Me to the Moon a very aptly named episode being that we are about to um, go on this Europa mission, uh, which is a moon itself. And so uh, the synopsis is, oh, I wrote down the wrong synopsis. (laughs) Hang on one second. Can we pause for a second? Yeah, sure. (laughs) I did some copy and pasting from from, um, a previous document I did. Yeah. uh, And I wrote, I- The one from two weeks ago. I wrote down the wrong- yeah, the wrong from the one from two weeks ago. Eh, my goodness, no, I do not want to watch this Morbius thing. Um, hang on, <laughs> I tried to click on the episode and it gave me a. Um, I actually clicked on um, a thing for Morbius. We and I don't were gonna go see that after this, and I'm like, I am so tired. I don't. I think I would fall asleep. So you would. You might fall asleep if you weren't tired, according to the <laughs> critics. <laughs> I mean, who, who knows? Maybe it's good, but... Um, okay, hang on a second. I mean, yeah. it's got 16% on Rotten Tomatoes. 
Hey, there you go. Oh, wait, I think um, it went up to 17%. That was not because whoa. of me. I haven't turned in a review of it yet. That's <laughs> hilarious. Okay, I've got the right synopsis pulled okay. up. All right, three, two, one. Okay, and the synopsis for this episode is Picard discovers an important person from his past. Uh, Picard discovers an important person from his past may be integral to the divergence in the timeline. Q continues his manipulation of the timeline, taking an interest in Dr. Adam Soong. Seven and Raffi attempt a daring rescue of Rios, while Gerardi faces the consequences of her deal with the Borg Queen. Uh, this episode was written by Cindy Appel, and it was directed by Jonathan Frakes. Um, and we have our usual cast. We've got Jean-Luc Picard, played by Patrick Stewart. Allison Pill is Gerardi. Jerry Ryan, Seven of Nine. Michelle Hurd as Rafi, Rafi Musiker. Orla Brady returns, uh, not as Laris, but as Talon, the supervisor. We have a three-second cameo by Evan Evacora as Elnor. Issa Briones returns as Corey Sung. Santiago Cabrera as Rios, Brent Spiner as Adam Soong, John Delancey as Q, Annie Wershing as the Borg Queen, and Penelope Mitchell as Renee Picard. So we open up with one of these back and forth scenes that we were just talking about. Um, we see a, 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 an astronaut. Her her code name is Shango. Um, she looks to be trying to resolve some emergency crisis. We also have Talon and Picard at her apartment. Um, Picard is telling her that he uh, who he is. He's from the future. Uh, we see that this crisis was all a simulation, and uh, she, Shango is very frustrated that she couldn't resolve it. Um, she's like very frustrated, right? Like she's like, she like can't get out of her seatbelt. She's like, why is everything stuck? And, uh, I felt, yeah, same girl, same. I've been there. <laughs> um, and, um, Talon tells Picard that she has devoted her entire life to protecting one person. And it is this astronaut who we see her name tags as Picard. It, it, so when when Picard tells her who he is, that he's Jean-Luc Picard, that clearly gets her attention because uh, that's her whole life has been protecting this one person. Uh, we get our credits and then we jump right to the Borg Queen on La Sirena and she's kind of, uh, I don't know, she's kind of like waxing about how lonely she is. And it's, it's, <laughs> she's like kind of monologuing of like, so lonely, so quiet, the voices, they're gone or whatever. Um, but then she does hear, she's picking up um, cell phone conversations. Um, she's hearing those. So, you know, you can get how that's like kind of a good substitute for the, for the collective. Um, she asks the computer to intercept local cellular tower frequencies. The computer won't do it because it doesn't recognize her voice pattern. And so then she tries um, different voices. Uh, she tries Agnes, she tries Picard, she tries Rios, and that's the one that unlocks it. And I did read an article that said that this was a, this was like an Easter egg, a little reference to the TNG episode Brothers where 
the one where Data gets taken over by like the chip in his brain that Dr. Soon had put in there and he takes over the ship and he, do y'all remember this episode? Um, we, 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 we covered it on Picard cast. Yeah. Um, and he's sitting at the computer and he's imitating Picard, like putting this incredibly crazy long password. That one, that one was Brian, right? I think. Um, I don't remember. No. It might have been. Maybe he was, fa- because we did like some of them that were like real close together. So maybe not. Anyway, that's fine. I- yeah. Uh, so I read an article that said that that was a reference to that scene nice. where he's like seven Charlie Bra- seven Charlie Bravo Tango three seven enable and it's like <laughs> which is uh I, it's a bit of a stretch but why not let's let's go with it because that's a fun episode. Yeah, um, you could also stretch a little further to the original series of what a little girl's made of, where the ancient android Rook imitates. A couple oh, yeah. of the characters as well. So that's oh, great deep cut. Absolutely, that is a great deep cut. Yeah, he 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 imitates. I think Kirk and and Nurse Chapel, oh, yeah. uh, and a couple other people too. That's a really good episode. I enjoy that one. Um, so uh, she finally gains access to basically like the cell tower. She calls the local police. And tells them to come to the Picard Vineyard, that she hears a woman screaming, please come quick, please help. And when I was watching this, I was like, oh my god, she's going to start a collective. She's going to get these people to come here Mm -hmm. and try to help this person that she's saying is being... Right? Like, that's what I... And and I think that by, by the time we get to that part of the episode where she's got the cop like in her really weird drippy tentacle thing. Um, I, I think she was absolutely going to assimilate him if, if Agnes didn't cooperate and, and get her and get out of there. You mean when she's doc Oct the cop? <laughs> yeah. When she's doc Oct the cop. That's very funny. <laughs> um, so then uh, we join Raffi and seven um, who are trying to get Rios off of the ice bus they're arguing back and forth about uh, how to do it. Raffi like wants to. Ch- Raffi's like, let's just beam him out of there. And Seven is like, oh, but who knows what effect that'll have on the timeline of seeing teleportation? And I'm just thinking, you all were beamed out of a car in front of a bunch of cops in the previous episode. I think that question's a little moot at this point. People have seen the technology. Like, come on, it was a radio-controlled car. Yeah, there's a car that drives around here at like Halloween, and I don't know where the person who's driving it is because it's driven by a skeleton, a plastic skeleton. It's like oh a jeep. <laughs> and so I'm like, are you in the back seat because I don't ever get a good enough look. I just see the skeleton. I'm like, oh, and I, you know, I'm driving and I can't look the other way. Anyway, sorry. I mean, maybe maybe they're from the future. I mean, uh, two, oh, I was going to say it's a two years futuristic of, skeleton. Maybe <laughs> they, maybe the transporter broke and it just sucked out everything but their bones. <laughs> <laughs> the transporter transported out Ooh, <laughs> their body with no structure. That <laughs> is uh, what whatever trans whatever materialized on the transporter pad would not be good. Yeah, I, I oh, can tell you that. <laughs> I had okay, so. I was thinking about this today. I'm sorry. It doesn't really have to do with this, but it kind of does. 
So, like, I guess uh, through the years, you know, they used to always be on the transporter pad to leave, and then, you know, then it would they would have their signal and they could bring them back or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I guess then it got to be more sophisticated where they didn't need one at all, and they could just do it from anywhere in the ship. I mean, because, you know, sometimes they could transport in and out, like, in, in the next generation that wasn't, you know, in the transporter room, but... <laughs> Come on, everybody wants um, O'Brien beeping and booping. So, uh, <laughs> so that's how they do. Yeah, but no, it's, I, it's true. There's like, not any kind of anything that they ever talk about that, is it? Because there's I not. Mean, I don't. I mean, they they don't have they time really travelers don't... very often. <laughs> no, I mean, but they they. It's true. Like in the original series, of course, it only was from the transporter pad. Um to and from and then even the next gen for a while it was always you went to the transporter room you beamed off then you beamed back they beamed you onto the transporter room and then like you 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 walked to wherever you were going but then we started to see like oh beam them directly to the bridge beam them directly to sick bay um beam and even even in discovery they instead of like walking from place to place they beam from wherever they are to wherever they're going so yeah, at some point they did make that switch that you could beam what? in okay. and out from Wait. wherever. Uh, if 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 you're out there and you haven't watched Discovery, even though I haven't, but I still know the things that happen. Spoilers, hold your ears. So, you mean like they be instead of walking, they beam from place to place, like when they go to the future? Because the rest of the time it's in the past, and it's like, right? Yeah, so they wouldn't that, be able to. Okay, that's for when they're in the future. Okay, just yeah, checking. that. Hmm? Yeah, yeah. Okay, you can un earmuff um, if you haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, I mean, Kay, Kay, do you do you recall any particular episode or point where they made a point to say that they had changed transporter technology that they could then be in different places? I, I don't recall particularly. No, I don't recall either. Um, I probably just whistle past the graveyard of that one on a regular basis. Hmm. I just didn't really think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. I mean, I'm such a good fan. I'm just Wait, going to accept you... everything you tell me. And <laughs> Did you just use the phrase, whistle past the graveyard? Yeah. That's, I've never heard that. Is that Really? Oh, on a podcast I used to listen to use it. So you, you, when you're whistling past a graveyard, ignoring the thing yeah, that you, Yeah, just do, do, you do, do, do kind of thing, yeah. I can't whistle. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I can't whistle either, but yeah, you know. Okay, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, is that something you picked up from back home or something that you picked up once you got to New Zealand? I was trying to figure it out. <laughs> no, it was from a podcast that talked about Buffy, the series. Gotcha, that gotcha. They often use that phrase. So. Oh, okay. Nice. Okay. I, 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 never really, I don't think I ever particularly heard that phrase either, but it totally makes sense. It's, it's like, very great. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a great phrase. Um, <laughs> so, in the end, um, Seven takes the tricorder from Raffi. She sends out an EMP, which basically shuts the whole bus down, which is is the smartest thing to do, right? Just get the bus to stop moving so they can just get on board and do what they have to do. Um, as soon as the bus, like, stops and they can't figure out how to restart it, Rios... Rios knows it's his crew that's come to rescue him. Like, you know, why else would this be happening? He tells the other guys on the bus, you know, get ready. Something's going to happen. Get ready to run kind of a thing. And then the ice guard, who's just a total dick, 
is like, shut up, stop talking. And, um, you know, he goes in there, try to get them to be quiet. And then um, the other guy who's on the bus with him, Pedro, he like disables him. Raffi and Seven get on the bus. They disable the driver. Um, and then they get everybody free. So like, yay, Rios is okay. Everybody who was on that bus it goes wherever they're going to go. Um, and I don't know if this is going to go anywhere or if it was just, an, I felt like they really focused on Rios and Pedro saying goodbye to each other. Yeah, like, I felt that too. Right? And I, and like, even when, when where, Pedro left. Where, they, where did Pedro get the cell phone? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff in this episode that like just happened. Yeah, I. And it's very okay. convenient and. Huh. Yeah, I was. I, I thought it was just me, you know, like no, no. ADD. Like I looked down for a second, and it really had been like three minutes, and I realized I missed something. Okay, all right. The only thing I can think of is like if if the guards were carrying like the items that they had confiscated from them, maybe, and he got it from there, but we didn't see that. He just suddenly has a cell phone, and I'm just like, okay, that's that's interesting. Um, but th- th- that kind of thing happens a lot in this episode, which, uh, it does ask you to, th- this episode asks you to whistle past the graveyard a lot, <laughs> um, and just go with it. Um, uh, I, I felt that way anyway. Um, but yeah, I kind of feel like they focused on Rio saying goodbye to Pedro, a a little bit longer, like even when, when, when Pedro leaves, they kind of play like the theme and I'm just like, that's okay. Is that significant? Is he going to come back? Maybe is he, maybe there was some mm-hmm. bits that were cut out or something. True. That, that could have been left over from an editing choice. Maybe he had a, a more expanded storyline. Um, who knows that that's a great point. Um, so as everybody's like leaving the bus, Raffi thinks one of the guys is is Elnor. And it it is the actor. It is Evan Evagora with the eyebrows and everything. And and she stops him and she's like, Elnor, you're here. With and, the eyebrows. He, I'm sorry. I just love that you're like, with the eyebrows and everything. <laughs> but I, I meant like it it wasn't like they it was Elnor as a human. Mm-hmm. It was Yeah, no, with the yeah, eyebrows. Like it wasn't um, it wasn't like how we see um What's her face? Laris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where she's... Who's where not Laris. Human looking. Right, who's not Laris. Um, you know, she thinks it's Eleanor. She's, like, all excited that he's there. And he turns around, and, of course, it's not him. It's it's just some other person. And he's like, are you okay? And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I mean, she's... And she's really shaken up by this, because she's seeing Elnor, obviously, in places that he can't possibly be. He's on the ship in the morgue. So, I mean, yeah. Uh, but obviously, Raffi is, you know, she hasn't, I mean, we've seen it. She has not unpacked that trauma and those feelings of losing Elnor at all. Um, and I, I have a feeling we, we might see more of this as we go on, like, of her seeing Elnor in other places as well. Um, but, um, 
So then uh, we're back to Picard and Talon are talking, um, and she confirms another thing that we talked about last week. She is a supervisor, and Picard makes the connection to Gary Seven from the original series, the episode Assignment Earth. Um, is that an episode you're familiar with, Kay? No, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's been if it it's been a while, I think, since I've seen a lot of the original and the and the next generation. So okay. So it, Jonathan Frakes had to be told about Gary Seven as well. So I'm not the only person that doesn't remember. <laughs> oh no, believe me, when they when they talked about it last week and say when 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 Guinan says something about that, the Watchers are also called supervisors. I didn't make that connection right away either, but um, a lot of other like a lot of other fans did, and I mean, like the guy that um, I met dressed as Q did. Well, he didn't. One of his friends who was even geekier than him did. And then he told me. Right. And I was like, I am not really aware of that one. <laughs> I mean, I, I had seen that episode, um, but I I forgot that Gary Seven was called a supervisor. And after I watched last week's episode of Picard, I actually watched that episode, Assignment Earth. And um, it is true that, like, the way that... that Laris, not Laris, um, teleports, like with the door and the smoky effect, it is a very similar effect to how Gary Seven teleported. Um, and that episode, interestingly enough, that episode was actually meant to be a backdoor pilot for another series that Gene Roddenberry wanted to do. Like um, Gary Seven series? series? was. Well, it, it was to be called, I think, Assignment Earth, and it was supposed to focus on Gary Seven as, like, the supervisor. Because as as not Laris, because that's what I'm just going to call her not Laris, as not Laris explains. What, what, season, that, what season was Assignment Earth in? Season two. Okay, so it went one season and then got canceled, right? And then came back for No, two. it didn't. No, no, it, so... It was season two of the original series yeah. uh, of Star Trek that they introduced this character, Gary Seven. And Gene Roddenberry wanted well, to turn I, I meant that... uh, the original series. They were going to cancel it, right? And then everybody wrote in. Which? Yes. Was it in between one and two or two and three? Um, that is a great question. Where's I our off-mic producer? Think... Yeah. So, uh, hold on. I'm asking him. Uh <laughs> The letter writing campaign to save the the original series was that between seasons one and two or two and three? It was, it was between two and three, right? I don't know. I Our off know, mic. I just know that he caught wind that they were going to cancel. Yeah. After season two. Uh huh. So he wrote that episode as a pilot. There you go. Oh. Okay. Because he caught wind that they were going to cancel after season two. Okay. Gotcha. Well, they, he they wrote go. it as a pilot, but he filmed it for Star Trek. So the, our, our off mic producer, who knows everything, uh, explained very, very, very succinctly that uh, he wrote it as a pilot because he heard it was going to get canceled and oh. he wanted to continue telling well, space stories. So thank I, you, I, it was, thank I you very much, two. Lieutenant Commander Chris. <laughs> yes, thank thank you, Lieutenant Commander Chris. <laughs> um, yeah, so be, be, between two and three, I believe, is when the letter writing campaign happened to save Star Trek, and they brought it back for season three and then they gave us Spock's brain. So, you know, there's that. 
which is <laughs> arguably one of the worst episodes of Star Trek ever. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, if, if you have a chance, if you're so inclined to watch it, season two of the original series, the episode is called Assignment Earth. Um, it does tie in directly to Picard. So, I mean, if you're interested to kind of get a little bit of a idea of what the show would have been like, uh, I do recommend watching it. It's very campy. Uh, it's a very, it's, it's very Star Trek and it's very sixties. So, but it, I, it, it, it is part of the canon and it definitely ties in to Picard. Hmm. Okay. So, um, Picard basically wants to know everything about, you know, Renee Picard. Who, who is she? And, uh, not Laris tells, uh, gives him basically her, you know, the highlights of her life that she taught herself to be a sailor. She taught, she learned chess, fluid dynamics, Cantonese. Um, she went to university. She became a test pilot, you know, and NASA like snatched her up right away to be part of their astronaut program. But then, you know, she talks also about how she does suffer from anxiety and depression. And Picard says depression in a human can be debilitating and she's lucky to survive it. Like, and the, yeah, I know the <laughs> stuff that the like tiny little thread about depression through like this entire series so far is it's so like heart wrenching because it's so true, you know. And anyway, everybody knows no, that I've I, dealt with it a lot uh, in my life because I talk about it all the time. But yeah, yeah, it's definitely okay. I I definitely want to hear your thoughts on this too. But like this season of Picard has focused a lot on like depression mental health, anxiety, sadness, loneliness. We've, we've mostly explored that through Agnes, but here we see Picard having an ancestor with those, with uh, s similar issues. And something that I really appreciated about the scene was that Picard does not dismiss the depression. Like, Oh, well, whatever. What does she have to be depressed about? She's clearly like this incredible person but he's very understanding and very um, he's very empathetic to how she's feeling. So yeah, Kay, d definitely. I, I want to hear your thoughts about like how this, this season has addressed like mental health and depression and loneliness and anxiety. Yeah. I, I think it's doing a very good job to be honest. It's not sort of, it's not waving it around like a flag of like, this is how the story is based. It's all pivoting around everyone's anxiety and depression. It's like, it's mm -hmm. part of life that it's portraying mm -hmm. it as this is, this is sometimes part of what life is like, that there is anxiety and depression. You can still be brilliant. You can still have a lot. It doesn't detract from the things that you succeed in. If that mm -hmm. makes sense. It's not mm -hmm. sort of singling it out as like, oh, well, you know, if she wasn't depressed, she could be this superhuman, you know, it's like, no, she's excelling despite that she's overcoming it, but she mm -hmm. still struggles with it. It's not, you know, it, it it's just part of who she is. And mm -hmm. I think it's just keeping the conversation alive on it, which is really good. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree with, with what you're saying. Like, it's definitely, I mean, and we look at a character like Agnes Gerardi, who is clearly like, she's, she's brilliant in her field. Um, she's, she, no, she knows a lot of things. She's very smart. She's very talented. But she also, her life is this anxiety and depression and, you know, the, the sadness that she talks about, you know, the, yeah. the episode where she talked about, you could just, you know, you could just go to sleep and sleep to death. And, and I mean, I, I, that's such a, such a powerful statement and it's such a relatable statement to people who do suffer with those with those feelings and do have that as part of their life. But uh, yeah, so we, we sort of see that, that same theme of like keeping the conversation about mental health going, which I, I do appreciate that they're doing. Um, so they, they talk about the Europa mission a little bit and Picard says, you know, this was a pioneering mission in, in human history, but not Laris is like, I don't know if Renee is even going to be on it. Um, so then she shows I have her... To just, I have to say yeah. that I am saying muted yes. because you keep saying not Laris, and I love it. It's so funny. <laughs> it's like, so better. Her, her name is like Talon, but I, I just want to say not Laris. <laughs> I'm all for it. <laughs> uh, so they... We see, like, inner interspersed with this scene, we see sort of quick cuts of Renee in what appears to be a therapy session, and not Laris pulls it up, like, on a video for Picard to watch, and at first Picard's like, this is supposed to be private, how are you watching this? And she's like, is it, though? And then she, so she's showing him this therapy session and Renee's talking about her fears and how she feels numb inside and um and the therapist is like trying to is saying well you know maybe your fear is saying that you're not ready and Picard is like this therapist is trying to talk her out of going on the mission something's not right here there was no doubt the doctor. there was no doubt so that it was cute right you could tell from the back of his totally look, <laughs> right? Like, it looked like He's they tried so to make him have his hair a little different. But, yeah, it was... I'm like, I don't care if you're doing a voice. You're cute. Come on. <laughs> so, okay. So, here's another example of, like, in my opinion, anyway. And I definitely want to hear what you both think about this. But, in my opinion, this was definitely one of the things that the show was like, don't ask questions about how this happened. Just go with it. It, we saw at the end of the previous episode that Q snapped his fingers and tried to use his power to do something. We don't know what. And he said, uh, and, and it didn't work, right? And he was like, well, that's unfortunate. That's unexpected. So Q's power is at least, you know, to be fair, at least limited, but maybe gone completely. How in the world does this guy get into a NASA institution as a fucking therapist with that stupid bullshit accent. How did he do that? <laughs> like, with no power. How did he do that? That's a little bit much. That's how I felt about it anyway. What did you all think about it? I thought maybe his powers were just on the fritz, that it works sometimes, but not all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. I agree. All right. Yeah. That's it's, how I, I perceived it. But then, it's you know, a little convenient. <laughs> it's it's a graveyard. We can whistle yeah. past that one, too. <laughs> just, just keep whistling, everybody. Just whistle on yeah, past this very long graveyard. That's just going to be our new thing. Just keep whistling. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I'm just going to whistle a bit. <laughs> oh, man. Um uh, Okay, so then uh, we finally get, like, our first look at Brent Spiner as Adam Soong. Uh It's always great to see Brent Spiner. It's always great to see him playing a Soong of some gener- of some year. Um, and he's talking to this panel of three people. I think they're all doctors. Um, and he's giving them some speech about how, like, he has to be allowed to continue his work, that it's... It's for the greater good, and it's gonna. And the main, it's gonna the main people. person on the panel is Leah Thompson. Yes, yeah. I Which loved I was that great. Leah Thompson. I did enjoy that Leah Thompson was was there. Um, I like that she she had a little cameo there as Doctor Werner. Um, also in this scene, one of the doctors. If uh, it is a very very quick Easter egg. One of the doctors, his um, main plate says Dr. Vasily Roshenko, and he is 100% an ancestor oh. of the Roshenkos who adopt oh. Worf. So, yeah. I didn't even that see was, that. It is yeah. so I bet he loves prune juice. And, and loves as the extra, as the extra deep cut, thank you very much, internet. Um, the two, the ones that adopted the first, the characters when they, you first meet them, um, they appear in TNG episode Family, which is the first Trek episode that established the existence of Chateau Picard and the relative named Renee. Oh, you know what? You're nice. right. That is the episode Family. Yeah. That, oh, that is a deep cut. That's the There's one a... that Brian did, not brothers. Somebody else right. did brother. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. This is what I think is such a joy with series like that. There is so much wealth of information and things you can put in to just to weave those little threads into everything. I think it's awesome. I oh, love I, it. I, I, I love I it do. so much. <laughs> no, I do too. It's um there's lots of like and even like later on, um when uh Renee Picard goes to the ga- to the gala um, there is a little Easter egg about the dates on her passport, like her date of birth and when it was it was renewed. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, those dates correlate to dates when um, certain TNG movies were released in the theater. Um, I think uh, her That's birthday cool. is the date that. Yeah, I know. It's lots of really yeah. Cool it's first contact for her birthday, yeah. isn't it? I mean, yeah, yeah. It's first contact. Granted, the day that that movie was in Doctor first. Who, there was a whole thing where we saw somebody's uh, grave, which it was actually the character we just saw. And we we saw their grave. Um, anyway, but their birthday was the day, or their birthday was the day that. Doctor Who premiered, but not in 1963, but like 1860. Anyway, what? Sorry. Oh, that's cool. But yeah, they do do that all the time in Doctor Who. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, but I always, I like that when they do it in other things. Yeah, I I enjoy those little things too, uh, which is pretty cool. And then if, um, if you've watched Enterprise, you do know that there is a Soong that makes an appearance on Enterprise. He was the one who started all the well 
his work led to the eugenics wars, um, which would produce Khan, uh, arguably the greatest villain in Star Trek, um, which is an interesting, which I think is an interesting connection because next month we're getting the new Star Trek series, Strange New Worlds, and one of the people who is on the ship, she is a descendant of Khan. And so I feel like they're definitely tying, yeah, they're definitely making the effort to tie things together to, um, even if it's not like key to the plot or anything, I do think they are definitely making the effort to tie threads together, uh, which is always fun and cool because then it just reminds you that in May we're going to have a whole new Star Trek series to watch for the first time. It's going to be very exciting. <laughs> Um, so, uh, basically, Adam Soong's meeting does not go well. Um, he, uh, he's trying to basically get more funding so he can continue his genetic experiments. Um, Dr. Werner, Leah Thompson's character, is like, you've been doing these experiments with a privatized military organization on ex-soldiers. I mean, this is clearly the program. This is clearly the the very beginnings of what will become Khan and, and his his cohorts. Um, and uh, she's like, these are illegal. They're unethical. They pull his funding and they actually revoke his license. So and now he's forbidden from doing any other genetic experiments. And he's trying to tell them like the whole reason why he's doing all this stuff is because he has a daughter um, and she has this rare genetic disorder where basically the UV light from the sun turns her blood to poison. So she, when we see her like at, at their home, she's basically lived her whole life in this room, right? And we see him when he comes into the room, he like goes through like a decontamination thing, right? Where he even says that in the panel that, you know, a speck of dust can destroy her respiratory system. So she clearly has like some really, really bad genetic disorder. He's trying to find a cure for it. And he's doing that through these illegal experiments. And, um, but now there's like this question. big roadblock. Yeah. I mean, I know because I, I was thinking about this and then I was felt like I was even more like right about it later. But mm-hmm. do you, is she an experiment? Are, I have that same thought myself. Uh, she could be. Are, are Corey, like, like, she, ha- like, because later she asks if her mom was a good swimmer, and it's like, did he clone someone he was in love with or something? <laughs> I'm just thinking of lots of creepy things, and hey, I don't, I don't appreciate I'm it. Here. Anyway. Oh, no, sorry. Sorry, I, 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 I it, it was silent there for like a, a minute. I didn't hear anything you said. Oh, I just was th- saying it was creepy, thinking that he might have cloned someone he was in love with or something. Mm. Yeah, I, I got that same vibe as well. That that same scene that you, that you're talking about about when she asks about if her mother was a good swimmer, and he he looks a little uncomfortable for a second, and then. Oh yeah, she she was like a mermaid, like she totally could swim, and and I was like, mm. <laughs> I don't know if this if her mother exists. Like, 
is she an experiment? She might be. I mean, we think about Soji and Dodge from Picard season one. I mean, they I mean, were, and they, they were suing they, relations also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they were suing relations in that sense. And they, uh, they didn't know that they were, uh, a- androids, right. That was like hidden from them. Um, it's. I think it's totally possible that she's a genetic experiment. I mean, yeah, because it could and be. Who, who, it, it would be interesting to have that correlation of her finding out that she was, you know, a test tube baby, genetic experiment, like uh, Soji. Well, and Dodge like found out that they were not human, too. You know, like right. Whew. Yeah, I think it's absolutely possible. Um, I mean, who knows? Maybe in his effort to create this child, um, maybe his messing around in the lab even caused her to have this genetic mutation that then makes her sick. I mean, that's... I mean, then wouldn't he work even harder to try to, like, undo this thing that he's done and, and quote-unquote, fix her and make her healthy? Because she's lived her entire life, it seems like, in that room, right? Because she she, she 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 talks about how she wants to go swim in the pool and see the sunlight reflecting off the pool. Like, she's never been able to do that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's It does it, seem like a really sad. severe genetic condition to be inherited off someone. Like, it's some fallout from creating someone as a clone. Right. I, you know, I don't... Uh, yeah, I, I tend to agree that she could be, like, maybe there was an egg donor kind of a thing, and he, you know, created this this child and tried to manipulate the genes to make her, like, super smart or super strong or super something, and then the effect is that he did he did something wrong and gave her this genetic problem, which now means she has to stay inside her entire life. Um, yeah, I don't think that that's beyond, uh, I, I think that that is absolutely possible. So then, uh, in his lab, Adam soon gets a message on his computer from someone saying they can help him. And, uh, they send a file to his 3D printer. So again, this is Q. So maybe he maybe he does have some of his powers as you all were saying, because how else could he have done this? Like, you know, I think he's still kind of, uh, annoyed that he's not like that. He'll snap his fingers and then something won't happen. Cause then it'll come back. That's why I think that it's just kind of coming and going. Like Kay was saying, it's just that he'll do it. And he's like, there we go. I just did this, and then he'll do it again, and nothing happens, and he's like, "Crap," you know? Yeah, because you know, yeah, I think, yeah, I Q right. definitely I, I says, right. "What's going on?" and "Crap," like he definitely says things like I do. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so he he sends a file to his three D printer, which prints incredibly fast. I mean, it's got to be the best three D printer on the market. Um, and it prints a business I mean, card. You don't know what's going to mm-hmm. happen two years in the future. It could print that. Too. You know. It is certainly possible um, that we could have a 3D printer in two years that prints things that quickly. Um, 
And it prints a business card with a very cool logo. Uh, it says Q and a phone number. Who called the phone number? Did you all call the phone number? I didn't because I'm no. in New Zealand. And if I get the code wrong, I could be calling just anybody. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that is a real phone number that you can call. What is it? And do? when you you get a, an automated message. Hang on. We're going to call it and then we're going to play it. Yes. Hang on a second. Cool. Okay. I'm going to get to hear yeah, it. Hang on. Hang on. We're yes. going to call it. My off mic producer is dialing as we speak. Hey. And we're going to play it. So hang on while I unplug my headphones. Y'all can oh. hear it. Kay, you would dial one as the country code. That helps. Okay. <laughs> okay, here here we go. We're gonna we're gonna dial. Hang on. Technical difficulties here. <laughs> Hello. You have reached the Q continuum. We are unable to get to the phone right now because we are busy living in a plane of existence your feeble mortal minds cannot possibly comprehend. Furthermore, it's pointless to leave a message because we, of course, already knew that you That is fucking amazing. <laughs> Isn't that great? That's great. <laughs> I'm glad they do that because the amount of times they'll do a random number on a TV series and then everyone calls that number and some poor chap in Iowa gets like a million calls from fans and just doesn't know what's going on, you know? Right? <laughs> I'm glad they're seeing sense with that now. <laughs> okay. I love that you say number. some poor chap in Iowa and instead of like... Instead of, like, thinking, you know, like, uh, Captain Kirk or whatever being from Iowa, I'm like, oh, poor Jeff Stark is getting phone calls. For <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. But, yeah, uh, it's so funny. After the episode aired, I did see a bunch of people talking online of, like, call the phone number. It's a real phone number. Um, so, yeah. That is, uh, I definitely encourage everybody to call the number. I mean, I don't think you can, uh, like, leave a, I mean, you can't leave a message, because after the, after that message, it just hangs up, basically. Um, but it is funny, and I do love that it is John Delancey <laughs> saying, you've reached the queue, continue. <laughs> okay, you guys. You must have I, had fun recording that, too. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, you guys, I'm totally going to try to go meet him in a couple weeks. And I'm oh, really, John Delancey? Yeah. And I'm real excited about it because he's gonna be at a con here, and so yeah, I'm real. I I'm gonna try, but uh, I got to make sure that I get off from work that day. Um, but yeah, I've got to double check with with the 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 building block people at the mall. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be so cool if you could meet him at the con. That would be great. Yeah, it's like the weekend of Easter, apparently. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Which oh, I didn't man. even realize it was Easter because my my grandmother is gone, so holidays don't occur anymore. Uh, <laughs> speaking <Gotcha>. of depression. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of crippling depression. Yeah. Um, <laughs> geez. 
I get that. I do. Uh, so yeah, that's the phone number. You can call it and hear an automated message that you've reached the Q continuum. I thought that that was very cute and very funny. Um, so, uh, we get a scene now of Soong meeting up with Q in a restaurant. Um, Soong tells him that, you know, he's used to meeting crackpots or people that send him stuff. And he says, mostly it's basement dwelling Nazis and rich old ladies who want their cats cloned. <laughs> and I thought that that was pretty funny. Um, and I would imagine why he gets that because he is a geneticist, like he's like on the cutting edge. And yeah, why why wouldn't you get calls from those ends of the spectrum? Um, is like, I'm gonna leave. I'm not gonna stay for this. And Q is like, you didn't drive an hour here just to be like, just to leave. You're gonna sit down and we're gonna talk because you are a father and you're desperate and you wouldn't have come all this way if it wasn't for your daughter. Um, so he stays. And then he does tell him, though, well, if you know me that well, you do know that I'll kill you if you try anything. I was like, oh, man, dang. <laughs> Soon game playing. Um, Q tells him he's a fan of his work and he knows that he's been trying to cure his daughter's, his daughter's genetic disease. Um, he says that uh, for her, sunlight burns like fire and air turns to acid. So, I mean... Those are pretty extreme genetic mutations that the air itself will kill you and the sun will kill you. I mean, certainly I know that diseases exist where people are allergic to the sun or even people who are allergic to water. Like, it can't touch their skin. Otherwise, they have terrible reactions. But, like, this is this is beyond all of that. I mean, this, I think, tends to lend credence to the idea that she is she was not conceived naturally that she was definitely manipulated somehow at maybe as a fetus even or or pre preconception to try to make her something else because i mean how how else does somebody get you know what i mean like that's just an extreme genetic mutation yeah i, I it definitely gives a sense of manipulation Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I didn't so think about gives, it earlier. Yeah. No, no. And I, I do think that you're you're definitely onto something with that. Um, he does give Soong a vial and says, you know, if you like, you know, take it home, analyze it. If you like it, call me and then maybe you can do something for me. So definitely he wants, obviously, something from, from Soong. Um so, uh, not Laris is, uh, talking about, uh, Renee again to Picard and he's telling, she's telling Picard that, uh, basically tomorrow Renee goes into the, the, the pre-flight quarantine for three days. Once she goes into quarantine, like there's no backing out from, from the mission. So they just have to get her to that point. They have to get her to the point where she goes into quarantine because then it's like for sure she's going to go on this mission, on this mission. Um, Picard's like, well, why don't we just like sedate her for the next 15 hours and then we're good to go. And, you know, she's like, no, we can't do that. She has to go to some gala tonight. And, um, Picard's like, Hey, then let's, we're going to the gala too. And I'm going to call my crew and we're going to, we're going to go keep an eye on her. And I do like how like not Laris says you know you you treating me like somebody who takes orders from you like you don't give me orders kind of a thing 
Which I do like. Uh, uh, I do like that about her a lot. And Picard's, you know, like, well, you know, we have to work together on this. We're better when we're together. And, you know, very much echoing that scene in season, in, in episode one, where him and Laris are talking and, and she, she clearly is putting the moves so her and Picard can be together. Um, so then we get a scene back in Chateau Picard. Uh, the Borg Queen is calling Agnes, uh, saying, I have a surprise for you. And then she says, like, I don't want to start without you. And she clearly wants to assimilate this cop, but she wants Agnes to be involved in the process because they're already entwined with Borg Queen and Agnes. Um, Agnes wakes up, um, and I just, again, a little convenient that there is a loaded shotgun in an abandoned vineyard that's been abandoned for quite some time, but it's conveniently loaded. She grabs the shotgun. Uh, she goes back to the ship, um, and and the Borg Queen has, uh, has the cop in the... How did you say it? The cop and the Doc Ock? The Doc Ock cop? <laughs> she Doc Ocked the cop. She Doc Ocked the what... cop. I couldn't, yeah, that thing I couldn't what... remember. <laughs> um, so she's like, you know, I could just take this guy's body, but it's 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 you that I want. Um, and here again, the Borg Queen is really trying to, like, manipulate Agnes, and she's telling her, in every timeline, you are just alone. You're by yourself. You're sad and lonely, and there's never a time where anybody loves you. And it's like, geez, lady, you're laying it on really thick here. <laughs> um, and she's like, but all of that would change if we joined our minds, right? Uh and Agnes, oh, and then she tells her, I'm the only one that has truly seen you. And you can see Agnes is struggling. She's got tears in her eyes. She's shaking. The implications of what it would mean to kill the Borg Queen at this point. I mean, beyond just the how do we get home, she's saying things that are so incredibly hurtful. And Agnes believes it. Like, she believes that she's there's never a version of herself that anybody just loves. And I don't know. It's just an incredibly emotional, very sad theme to think that... You know what I mean? Like, it's just it's a, it's a lot of feelings the right The Borg here. Queen is that voice in your head when you have... Um, I mean, she's the voice in all the Borg's heads. But anyway, um, she's like that voice <laughs> you have in your head when you have depression that tells you you're not good enough yes you know the yeah, one that tells absolutely. you that it would be better just to sleep into death or whatever like she had said before like i mean there's a lot of layers to this but that is that oh, really yeah. is what star trek is anyway it's always got mm -hmm. multiple yeah layers and because she's been inside agnes's head she knows exactly what to say Yep, which you know, yeah, she, she like, does. Yeah, like, she like the, <coughs> she's literally in her head. <coughs> God, excuse me, I didn't mean to choke. <clears throat> yeah, 
Yeah, so she she really knows how to use Agnes's thoughts and feelings against her in this moment. And I do agree, like, what the Borg Queen is saying, that that is depression's voice in your head, telling you that nobody loves you, mm. telling you that... You know, oh, your friends—they just tolerate you. They don't—they don't actually like you and want to be with you. Nobody, nobody likes you for who you are, which is not true. That's not—that's never true. It's just your own. I don't it's care the who you are. Lying to you. I don't care who you are. It isn't true. It's never true. And hundred percent never true. As someone who's felt like that, I've had. This wonderful person right here, Rebecca, remind me that it's not true. And I just want anybody out there who is, uh, you know, suffering with like, with anxiety or depression or anything, you can't believe, you can't believe those thoughts because those, they're not true. Anyway, we're going to get real serious here. I know. I'm going to get all choked up again. Oh, that's okay. That's all right. That's okay. Feelings are there to tell you when you like something or when you don't like something. So your feelings are telling you, and that's absolutely normal to express them. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I try to do to defeat that little voice in my head, if they start, like, piping up, is tell it to shut up or I'll bite you. Which kind of makes you laugh when you say it. You just say it like, shut up or I'll bite you. It kind of shocks it into silence for a little bit. So that's try that next time. Um, shut up I, or I'll bite you. I did miss I did miss a bit. Whenever the policeman is like, he goes outside and he's like, I hate the countryside. I went, same, man, same. <laughs> same. Same, bro. Same. I mean, if you like the countryside or being outside in general, that's great. But I have said to many people many times, I'm an indoor cat. <laughs> Same. I am an indoor city cat. I am not a countryside cat. <laughs> um, this is not country. So now we're back with... And, and here Kay is living in a country that has more sheep than people. Yeah, I like the countryside, but I live in suburb. I kind of live in suburbia, but it's very close to all countryside you don't have to drive far to get to ocean or mountain it or... also looks so beautiful like it looks like it's a postcard yeah you should definitely come visit i will turn you into a country person i mean i might just be a new zealand person you could be you could i mean be. i am an Ireland and you know what in september they're starting direct flights between new york and auckland oh Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, maybe oh, maybe we can do a live Picard cast sometime. Oh, my gosh. That <laughs> in so New cool. Zealand. We'll do it. We'll do okay. a, a personal logs on the road. <laughs> road trip okay, podcast. But, <laughs> but if, if we go to New Zealand, um, we have to go visit the Hobbit Village. Duh. Oh, yeah. Hobbiton, Hobbiton is just that would be on, on, on the menu. Literally. Oh, yeah. okay. Literally, they do. You can actually have feasts and they often do second breakfast as well. So, oh my God. That's exciting. You me. Let's go. Okay. Let's all go. right. Sorry, guys. We're going to quit right now. And I'm going to yeah. head to Rebecca's and then we're going to head to, to Kate. It's like it's suddenly become Hobbit Cast. <laughs> Hobbit Cast. Not a bad name for a show. Uh, <laughs> um, 
Okay, so we're back with Soong at his lab. He's analyzing the sample Q gave him. It's showing to be 100% effective in curing uh, in curing this, this genetic disease, right? So he's very excited. He's out. Then he's outside with Corey. They're under this, like, protective web thing that's, like, it's like the force field, I guess, created by these drones to um, protect her from the sun. Uh, it looked very futuristic, like way more than just two years in the future. But it looked really cool. I did hear uh, um, there's a really great YouTube channel called Trek Culture, uh, which I love their videos. They do all kinds of like listicles and and fun stuff, but they also do breakdowns of all the Star Trek episodes of, of every series that's out. And um, the host said that this, he felt like this was an Easter egg to the Tholian web, like a very sort of loose connected. Yeah. Yeah. And you I mentioned it. It does look very much like it. I didn't personally think that when I first watched it, but then after he's, after I heard, I read that, I was like, Oh, I could see that. Yeah, I get it. That could definitely be a little rough reference to the Tholian web um, because it did look kind of like it all like goldish and coppery and sh- sparkly. So maybe that is a Tholian web, you know, Easter egg. I don't put it past them. Um, he tells her, which is a total lie. This, this coming up is a total lie. He's like, Oh, uh, he says uh, that he injected himself with it first to make sure it was safe. And I was like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. We, and then he tells her, obviously he can't tell her where he got it from. Oh, I got this from some stranger. Here, inject this in your body. So he tells her a colleague inspired him to try a new path, a new, a new tactic, and he came up with this formula. It's not good. It's not good. He's lying to her and she is, of course, because this is her father, and this is like the only person that she interacts with 24-7, she's like, I trust you. And she, you know, doesn't question it beyond that and just injects herself with it. Um, yeah, I, know that he, I know that he makes her do it rather than him. You know, that's a very interesting point. I, I kind of almost feel like if it... It didn't work. If it hurt her in some way, could it? Could that be like, oh, but it's not like I injected her. She yeah, injected he didn't herself, do it. Right? She, she she injected herself because if something went wrong and he had to call people in for extra help, she injected herself with something. I don't know what it was. Exactly. Exactly. He could use. Yeah, that's a great point. If he calls, you know, the ambulance or something. Oh, I don't know what she injected herself with. She, 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 she took something. I don't know what. And that's his plausible deniability, right? Yeah. That, you know, he has no idea what's in it. She somehow got a hold of this and gave it to herself. Yeah. Um, so she injects herself. He removes the protective shield and she's okay. Nothing bad is happening. Of course, she's super excited. She's ecstatic. They're hugging. They're, they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. She, finally goes for a swim in the pool with what she said she wanted to do. And um, 
this is the scene where we were talking about earlier where she asks about her mother. Was my mother a good swimmer? And he clearly is like, uh, yeah, sure. Your mom can swim. And, uh, and then, and then he, he says to her something about how like, she's like 20 plus years behind on certain things. It just means patience. And she's like, well, patience implies time. And he's like, let's not, let's not think about that. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely implied here that like, she doesn't expect to live very long. And maybe she will have a shortened lifespan because of this genetic disorder. Like, that's not really made clear in this particular scene, but it's definitely implied that basically like, oh, yeah, this is this is works. I seem to be fine now, but it doesn't mean I'm going to have a normal lifespan. So that's that's kind of an interesting thing. Like, she doesn't expect to live very long and thinks that she won't be able to do all the things that she really wants to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, the constant mentioning of time as well. Yes, yeah. So de- definitely I don't think she expects to live very long. Um, and maybe he's told her that. Maybe he said to her, like, you know, because of this genetic disorder, you know, you, I don't expect you to – who knows? Um, she asked again about this mysterious colleague, but before anything else happens, um, she starts to have a reaction to being outside. Um, and it's, it's pretty like, it's pretty like a, it's a very violent reaction. Like we see like the veins in her face are like very dark and pronounced. Her eyes turn all red. Um, he puts the protective shield back up, but clearly whatever Q gave him was not a permanent fix. It was a temporary, it was a, it was like, it was like a one shot thing that would work for a while, but then it wore off. So, I mean, Q's not that dumb. He's not going to give him the full cure and maybe he can't, maybe he doesn't have it, but he's not going to give him the full cure for then him to never come back to him for him to do his part of the bargain. So it's just a taste. The first one's free. Now, now he's going to come back for more. So, uh, back on the ship, uh, Agnes beams up Wrath B7 and Rios. Uh, Agnes is blood all over her, like that, that blood spray from the shot, from the shotgun. Um, the board queen is just hanging there. She's dead. And the cop is on the table. And I thought she like shot through the cop to be honest with you I thought she shot the poor queen through the cop (laughs) Um, excuse me and and she's like no he's still alive Uh, she's like I repaired most of his organs and then says his spleen is in that box over there (laughs) which kind of does imply that she did shoot through him (laughs) yeah I think uh, yeah I think she kind of did Uh, but she was able to save his life which is good Um, she says she's given him something to erase his memory but that they do have to get him back to his car. Um, and and a little bit of like a comic relief moment here. This is when Picard and not Laris come aboard the ship. And he's like singing the praises of his crew. Oh, they're the best. We've been through thick and thin. They're just great. And what do they see? They see them dragging a lifeless body across the floor at just that moment. You know, it was very, uh, it was very like, you know, like, like a British comedy, uh, sitcom where it's like, 
oh no, here comes the vicar, but there's a sheep in the bedroom. Oh no. Like it's sort of that moment. (laughs) Which is what I love about British comedies because there's always a vicar and there's always a weird situation that the vicar comes in. I mean, you you the, got uh, uh, you got a pretty hearty laugh here out of our former yeah. British citizen here. So, <laughs> I mean, am I right or wrong here? I mean, there's always a vicar and there's always a sticky situation. <laughs> there's a whole comedy series in the UK called The Vicar of Debley. So yep. yeah, 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 pretty much. If that, that oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I've seen I've, I've seen I've seen episodes of that. Um, yeah. yeah, hilarious. Um, so then. Uh, back in Soong's lab, Q is there now, and um, Soong asks Q if he's got the real cure and not something that wears off. And he's like, "If you do, he's like, I am, I am a slave to you, sir." And he says, Q "He says, a, I'm a hostage to you, sir." Hostage. Because I wrote down exactly you, yes. what he said. I'm like, oh. Thank you so much. Yes. Oh, shit, you know. Yeah, he doesn't say slave, he says hostage, yes. Yeah. I mean, because that's, de- I mean, either way, that's definitely something that Q would enjoy. Like, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and then Q says, we're all hostage to what we love. And it is, tr- I mean, he has a point. I mean, it's a pretty, it's, it's. It's it's a it's a very sort of bleak outlook, but he's not wrong. When you do love something or love somebody, um, in that sense, you are a hostage to them because you will do anything for them. You will give up things for them. You will put your life on the line for them. You, you may even do things that you never thought you could do before for the thing or the person that you love. Um so this is when Q is basically like, I can get you the full cure, but there's an obstacle in the way, and I need you to remove that. And he asks if the name Picard means anything to him. And we see Soon like kind of thinking about it, but does not answer him. So for whatever reason, Q has to stop. Q's mission here seems to be to stop Rene Picard from going on this mission to Europa. On this mission to Europa, which we're going to find out in the in, a, in the in the next scene, is that Rene goes on this mission and she discovers a microorganism on the moon Io. She believes it's sentient and brings it back to Earth. Something about that whole sequence of events is crucial to first contact and the forming of what will become the Federation and Starfleet and all of that. So Q appears to be trying to stop that from happening. So his powers, which sometimes work and sometimes don't work, are not allowing him to just remove Renee completely from the equation. So now he's enlisting Adam soon to help him do that. That's what I got from that scene. That that is Q's plan here. I mean, it's w- would you all agree with that, or do, do oh, you feel like there's more yeah. stuff going on here, or other things going on? Okay. Yeah. I mean he, that. That's. I mean, he's basically be... like handing Soong a sniper rifle. <laughs> you know? He's absolutely. I mean, he's giving him a target. Yeah. He's like, uh, you need to take care of this. <laughs> Yeah. Any way possible. 
exactly. But well, and now here's the thing, right? So Q Q is very smart in this. He has he's hooked Adam Soong. He's now put him in. He's now he has made him a hostage, right? Because he's like, I've got the cure. I've got the permanent cure for your daughter. To get it though, you, you got to do this thing for me. And Adam Soong, being a father and loving and caring about his daughter enough to want to help her, obviously, he's going to do the thing. He's going to do whatever it takes to remove the obstacle of Rene Picard from going on this mission so that he will give him the cure. Um, so uh, we go to, Ch- to Chateau Picard. We get like a mission briefing for how they're going to proceed from here. So Picard explains about what Rene does on her mission. And then he talks about how, like, the records from this time period are, you know, they're they're wildly incomplete. It was a very chaotic time leading up to first contact. And I was like, dude, yeah, absolutely, it's a very chaotic time. We're fucking living it right now. <laughs> um, and, and so then, th- this is like this is like the Ocean's Eleven part of the of the episode where. There's like this incredibly complicated security system. Okay, of I, I said yeah. for this bit, I said back at France, Picard is filling them in, and it turns into an oceans movie. Picard six, complete with hacking <laughs> plans and dressing up. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you're not wrong. It's now an oceans movie. Um, so. This is this incredibly complicated and like very sophisticated security system where it's like your ID has to be in the system and the ID links to your entire history, your entire like uh, life. And once you get into the place, then there's facial recognition. So if it if it doesn't recognize you, they'll they'll mark they'll flag you as like a party crasher. So. She, not Laris says that she her technology can get one person through, and I felt like mm, that's very convenient to the plot that you could only do the one person. And okay, still whistling past that graveyard. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> she so they decide to send in Agnes, and I do like Rios's comment of like, you do know we have a, a spy, <laughs> and you do know that we have. Like, <laughs> the former spy explorer. and the right or whatever. Yeah. Like, don't you think we should send them in? And, <laughs> and then it's like, well, Agnes is the only one who's got the the skills to do the coding, right? What did she say she took at the academy where she studied ancient an- technology or something? Yeah. Ancient, <laughs> ancient coding ancient, or whatever. Yeah, something like that. Oh. It She's was like, I've learned that in my antiques class. <laughs> kind of <laughs> antique coding. I think that's what it was called. Antique coding. Um, so basically, yeah, they decide to send in Agnes uh, to infiltrate, get into security, and basically download fake IDs for everybody so that then they can come into the party. So Agnes. Um, Agnes goes into the to, to the gala in an absolutely beautiful red dress. I do love what they did with her with her her clothes in in the scene. I thought the dress was absolutely gorgeous. I, she um, looked incredible. Mm-hmm. No, she looked absolutely great. That's a 
the color of that dress for for Alison mm-hmm. Pill, like her complexion, mm-hmm. I mean, just gorgeous, mm-hmm. absolutely beautiful. I mean, and it did some great work with her uh, for on her boobs there that dress. Like, yeah. I'm like, I don't know how much tape and stuff that they have from the way that it was made, but like they fit, they like poured her into that dress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of reminded me of that scene in Black Panther when they went to that party or that club in South Korea and Okoye yeah. was in that, that red dress. Um, oh, I wish she would have yeah, re- pulled off her wig and thrown it at somebody, though. That would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great. Um, so she gets into the party and then, but they, security is like, they see her on camera talking to herself. She's talking to the, the in the, in the comms piece, but obviously it looks like she's just talking to herself and they're like, Oh, she's got to be a party crasher. So security comes and gets her. And, um, she's like, they have her handcuffed to a chair in security. And at first the the guards are like, Oh, she's like probably from Newport beach. We're going to, we're going to get sued because we have her handcuffed or whatever. And it turns out this was the plan all along to get, to get flagged as, as somebody who doesn't belong there get into security and now she can then proceed to do it's so like um george clooney's character what is his first name oh you know he's ocean or whatever like getting danny yes danny ocean getting locked up so that he could get you know beat up or whatever and so they don't think that he has anything to do with it or whatever like it's the so that kind of idea i i'm not saying i hated that but, you know, this no, whole I, bit was, I, was very predictable. Sure. But also fantastic. Because yes. <laughs> what I else think, are we going to do yeah. besides sit here and nitpick this show that we love? <laughs> of course. I mean, you know, tropes tropes can be fun. They're, they're when you, you know, you we've all seen enough TV and movies that when we, um, when we see a trope beginning to happen, we go, okay, I get it. This is the whatever trope. So what's going to happen is X, Y, Z. Got it. Um, you know, I was watching a show uh, the other day and there was a scene where like uh, this, this girl was sitting down to talk to her mom and she, the, the girl was talking about how like she was having all these like weird symptoms. And then like, she's like, I'm so hungry. I can't stop eating. And I was like, Oh, she's pregnant. And, and then sure enough, the mom is like, wait a minute, stand up. Let me look at you. Oh my God, you must be pregnant. And I was like, yeah, I know. I've watched enough TV to know the tropes <laughs> that she's, <laughs> she's pregnant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, uh, I was like, yeah, she's, I could have told you that she's pregnant. Um, so, <laughs> um, so then while she's in security waiting to do her thing, uh, we get a flashback to what happened when she shot the board queen. Um, she does shoot her basically like in the most biological part of her. That's not like machinery, like at the base of her neck. Uh, which is a good way to kill probably most things uh, if you want to kill something. <laughs> and and um, she, so she shoots her. The Borg Queen is dying, but Agnes is feeling it. She's like, what is this feeling? What is happening? And the Borg Queen is like, you, like, I'm a part of you. I've been inside your mind. Like, how could you not think that you would be affected by my death? I mean, she was um, creepier than that. She's like, 
like it or not, I'm a part of you. Kind of yes. Thing. No, no. She was. Because she was like dying. Whole, and she's evil. The whole thing. The whole thing with the Borg Queen reminded me of like a scene out of like an Alien movie, like like the franchise Alien. Like it reminded mm-hmm. me of a lot. Like like the ship is dark and the lights are flickering and and like when the cop shines the light on her. I mean, it's very much like an Alien film. Yeah, it had. Um, there were. I mean, you'd have to hand it to Jonathan Frakes because this episode, you know, besides having his flashback and forth a lot, it had a lot of different sort of styles in it because it had that that horror style that you just sort of explaining, this sort of sci-fi horror, and then it had the whole, you know, Ocean's heisty kind of bit. Um, even though I really liked the heist episode last season, like, I think that little bit was even better of a heist bit. Yeah. No, but. I do too. And, and yeah, the, this episode definitely reminded me of the heist episode from, from season one is very similar. Um, but uh, yeah, so she, she's the Borg queen is dying and she's like, how will you live without me? How, who will save you? How can you get back without me? And Agnes is like coming closer to her and closer to her. And then the board queen puts her hand on Agnes's cheek and she's like, who will save you, Agnes? And that's when she makes her move and shoots the little tubules into her face. And Agnes is bored. <laughs> I mean, that's I, it. She's been she's been assimilated. Yeah, well, yeah, or at least partially. Another thing that I really like that he did in the. I mean, I don't know. It may have just. I don't know if it was written in the script or if it was something that, like a director's choice. But when she's sitting there, locked up. All of a sudden, you see the board queen sitting next to her, like talking in her ear, yeah. and it's that sort of um, surreal kind of like. Um, delusional kind of thing like that's and that's a whole nother sort of movie genre too you know where you have uh, where it's just uh, sort of what well, I can't think of the word that I'm trying to think of like the sort of like magical thinking kind of movies and stuff and like real, with real weird it's moments like a, visual and, manif- a visual manifestation of the universe yeah yes yeah yes mm-hmm. that's exactly what it was thank you Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Like that's uh, there's a, there's a, d- definitely a lot of like themes and tropes from lots of other stuff that you've watched in this episode. I mean, that's the nature of film and and, and television. It's always going to be that way. There's always going to be stuff about. There's always going to be stuff that you draw from from other genres because that's uh, just the way that it is, right? But. I did enjoy that as well, that when she, you know, first just her sitting there by herself, and then the next thing you know, the board queen sitting next to her with, like, her arm around her, and she's like, oh, we're in it now, Agnes. Like, like, like that's her her attitude, and, I mean, I think going forward, I think we're going to be seeing that, like, we're, we're going to have scenes of the board queen, like, manifesting that, like, only Agnes can see, or that only we can see, and, um... I mean that. I mean, there's zero doubt in my mind at this point. A- Agnes is the board queen from episode one. I mean, she has to be. There's just no doubt in my mind. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. So, 
Yeah, that is our episode. Another fast-paced episode that went by so quickly that I couldn't believe it was over when it was over. Uh, (laughs) I felt that way last week, too, that it just went by so fast. I couldn't believe it was over. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I mean, overall, what were your thoughts about this episode? Like, uh, as far as, like, how, like, if you enjoyed it and overall did you like it or did you, was there stuff that you didn't like more? Uh, yeah, I, it's something I think I can be applied to the whole series, both actually season one and this season. It is just how much I love the strong, complicated women the series has. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just wonderful to have that many beautiful characters in sci-fi that are still full of self-doubt, who are mm-hmm. achievers, but, you know, who, who struggle with things. And it's just, it's an honest portrayal, I think, of people. And, well, yeah. And I, I think that some people are like, actually, one of my friends was saying that her brother was like, I'm sick of this tough, badass woman trope kind of thing. He didn't say that because he doesn't cuss. So you can imagine. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he said that he's sort of fed up with that. And it's like, well, have you seen this? Because... Sure, I mean, sure they're all like they're all like that. But also, we've got Rafi who is ha- is having all these feelings about losing Elnor. Like, but she also had all these motherly feelings. Like we saw all that when he was around and how she was protective and everything. And then you know we have Seven who's always sort of not necessarily emotionless, but not but we see her kind of having this weird reaction because she doesn't have her Borg implants, you know? So, like, she's actually having a reaction and, you know, Rafi having a breakdown and all that kind of thing. And then, of course, Agnes. Agnes with all this doubt and anxiety and everything. Like, it's so greatly written because it's not like, oh, they're just going to go around and kick butts and take names. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, I, I I think I think you said it really well, Kay, that um the that the women on, on Picard are written to be complicated. And I like that a lot because I think I think like with with Hollywood the tropes for women or for people of color or for African Americans people they can get very specific right like yeah especially uh, sci-fi yes i mean there's a there's the trope of the magical negro um that that's not that that's not my word that's what it's called um of like the black person who knows everything and is mystical and is there to help the white character the white savior yeah like figure everything out and and to help them overcome racism Yes, thank yeah. God we have them to help the white person overcome and solve racism. Yeah. And and you have those tropes. And I feel like in in science fiction, as you said, Kay, it's absolutely very, very prevalent that certain characters can be written only certain ways. Like women are either um women are either like uh shaved heads if uh, Nazi-looking feminists who, which is not a thing, by the way, but like that that trope of like 
I'm so tough and I only date other women and I'm clearly a I'm clearly a feminist Nazi lesbian and I'm so fucking tough. Here's my giant gun. I, or I'm offended the... because minus the me saying I'm so tough and here's my giant gun. I mean that's kind of how I look. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no. That's, I mean, I'm not kidding that that's how I look, but that's, you know. Anyway. But I mean, like, if there's that trope, or there's the trope of the woman who is like, uh, she's like the mother character. She's the, she's the maternal character for everybody in the movie, and, and, uh, everybody comes to her for, she's so wise, and she's got motherly advice for everyone. And, I feel like none of our women characters in this mm-hmm. show fall into those tropes mm-hmm. ever. Yeah, like, I'm um, sure Raffi was uh, um, maternal to, you know, Elnor, but not to anybody else. I mean, yeah. you know, she could have been. You know, I mean, you've seen you've seen people who have been in relationships who treat their significant other like they're a child. She could have done that to Seven, but she didn't do that either. <laughs> It was just for that one right. person who literally felt like her child. Mm-hmm. And even though, and even if she, even if she does have those maternal feelings and maternal actions towards Elnor, it's not the only facet of her character. It's only one part of her who she is the person. And because in real life, People are complicated and multi-layered and have different facets to their personalities. Mm-hmm. And so to see that expressed in a show is just great, especially a science fiction show. It's absolutely refreshing. Yeah. And as well, I quite like with Renee, she's obviously struggling with depression. She's achieving a lot of high stuff. But when you first, when you see it, she's obviously, she's reading a book and she's laughing it's mm-hmm. just because you have depression and anxiety doesn't mean you can't laugh at something. Right. That's it doesn't the, that's define the destroying you. thing about it is it's so hidden underneath them. I mean, you can still laugh at things. You still have moments of like joy, but it's so few and far between and that all the other stuff tends to pile up and build up. It's like a, you know, it comes in waves, I guess. So, yeah. You know. and so, it just yeah, shows I, I, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. No, it just shows the two sides of it, you know, which is, not something it's usually if someone's depressed they show every single sign of just moping around and being miserable and depression isn't just about being miserable it's about the inner voice telling you that you're not yeah. worthy um you know and it, it's not like depression is a defining personality trait either like no. <laughs> all, you, all, all you can be is depressed nothing else that's all you can do no she's living a life and she has other interests and pursuits, but she also has this other part of her that is part of her life. But it doesn't define her. In the same way that, like, Raffi isn't defined by being a mother, uh, the Seven is not defined at this point. Like, Seven has evolved so much of becoming just an ex... Beyond being just an ex-Borg, it doesn't define her anymore. There's so much more going on with her as as Annika. Yeah. You know, so, so when she loses the implants, I think she realizes that some of her self-definition is still "I'm an ex-Borg." Yes, one hundred percent. She she feels the difference of how people relate to her without the implants, and 
and I think you're right. I think it opens her eyes to how much it was really affecting her to still have those visible signs of being an ex-Borg. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, the, the show continues to just really be overall something I truly enjoy. Um, we're, we're halfway through the season, if you can believe it. I mean, this is episode five. We've got five more episodes. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm so, I, I, every week I, I, I'm so eager for the next week. I just like, I can't wait. I'm so excited yeah. for it. So, <laughs> um, so just to let you know, next week's episode, again, also directed by Jonathan Frakes is entitled two of one. Ah. That is next week's episode, a clearly borgy sounding episode yes. title. I like the title so, of this one as fly me to the moon. Yeah. I thought it was a really clever one. Cause you hear it that you hear it at the party as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the song was originally associated with NASA when Sinatra's version was played on the uh, missions to the moon for Apollo 10 and 11. Right. It's and, a great choice for the, yeah, for the title. And it's yeah. springtime, which is when it's you know, April is spring. It's like, let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars, which refers to, to Io and Europa. So, yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. I love it when little things like that all just like packaged so nicely. <laughs> yeah, a really, yeah, really, really put together episode with a great title. Um, yeah, yeah I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So, uh, that was our episode. And, uh, yeah, thanks so much for joining us again, Kay. Thank you so much for having me. I love oh you guys, and it's just such a pleasure to do this. It really is. Oh, awesome. Yes, we do. Um, are there any projects that you can talk about that you have coming out? Or, Sadly, uh, no. <laughs> okay, gotcha. We will Sadly, not no. uh, will not ask you to violate your NDAs. But, no. Uh, <laughs> no way. Y'all know when you go to the movies and there's CGI stuff in it, always stay for the credits, see if you see Kay's name. You never know when you're going to see Kay's name yeah. pop up. <laughs> when a project's finished and the trailers are out and I know that I can say something, I always do. I usually update my IMDb. So Very usually. nice. But, uh, yeah. Lovely. Awesome. Um and then I will just also quick, quickly plug, I just recorded last night an episode of StarkCast with a friend of the show, Joe Stark, which should be out in, I'm not sure when, but it should be out soon. So if you want to hear me and Joe talk about all kinds of things. The uh, aforementioned Joe Stark, since I did say him earlier and Joe I didn't even Stark, know that yes. you were on there. <laughs> <laughs> um we talk about some Star Trek stuff in the episode. We talk a little bit about Game of Thrones. Um uh, we talk about all kinds of uh, stuff going on in the world right now, and then we bring it all back to comics at the end. So, yeah, we had a really great conversation. If you know Joe's show, it's a sort of a long-form conversation show where you just kind of talk about whatever. Um, so, yeah, that, that should be out soon if you want to hear me and Joe talk about all kinds of stuff. Join us for that. And, uh, yeah, that's it. I can't believe it. That's our episode. And then I guess we're just all going to see you next week for episode six. Awesome. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks again to our guest, Kay. Thanks to Brooke for always recording and editing our episodes. And uh, until we talk again, keep boldly going where no one has gone before. See ya. The podcast is hosted by Rebecca and Brooke. 
You can find us at facebook.com slash picardcast, on twitter.com at thepicardcast, or email us at picardcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and boldly go where no one has gone before.